Would you open God's precious holy word to the Revelation 22 and we've come to verse 6. The vision of the New Jerusalem has ended. There are two appeals to be made and then the benediction. We will look at the first of those two appeals tonight, and it is an appeal to believers. Let's reflect for just a minute because we really have to keep ourselves in context here, in the greater context of the whole book. The Father gave the gift of his revelation, of his manifestation of the Son. He gave this as a gift to his Son so that the people, his people, his church, could really know who he is. Now consider the revelation as we've studied it to this point. First, he is seen in heaven in the early part of the revelation. He is seen in heaven, of course, as he's, he's in high priestly garments, but he also has, has a magnificent appearance. And then John saw the immediate scene around him, which was in heaven. And then these magnificent uh, beings, the cherubim, then, of course, there were the elders and all the others. And it, it moves from there to revealing that Christ is the head of his church, the Revelation 2 and 3, and that he oversees the direction of the church. Then it shows the end of the church because the term church is no longer used after the end of chapter 3, and it starts in chapter 4. And there's a scene of worship in heaven. And then in chapter 5 and moving on from there, Christ is seen as the judge. He's called the Lamb, but it's the wrath of the Lamb that falls on the world. And it is unfolded through the major port of the revelation and and these this is the last 7 years of the of of earth of earth's history now it's right that we should see this because daniel received from gabriel and wrote it in his prophecy how that 77 year periods had been determined upon daniel's people israel the Jews. 69 of those sevens have passed, and that's very clear. As a matter of fact, dates are used uh, in Daniel. So it's easy to date the thing and then to see where the first seven-year period started and where the 69th came to an end and is, and is separated from the 70th seven-year period. So by the other teachings of the New Testament, we realize and understand and learn that the church is removed 
And then through the breaking of seven seals, the blowing of seven trumpets, and the pouring out of seven bowls, the wrath of God is finished and, and brings the history of man regarding the times of the Gentiles to a close, the times of the nations. The kingdom which was prophesied about and has been promised and the fulfillment, the final fulfillment on planet earth of the promises to Israel and to Abraham and so forth. Those then are worked out in the kingdom, the thousand year kingdom. So we've been through that. We came to the end of it. And the one who called it to an end is no other than the lamb the Christ of God. And in his presence and by his power, the first heaven and the first earth were dissolved. They fled away, the Bible says. They were no more. But then he established the great white throne in a realm that is after the first heaven and first earth, but before the second heaven and before the last heaven, the next heaven and, and earth. And he calls up the dead or spewed out into his presence, the unbelieving dead. He has already had power over the first resurrection. Now exercises his authority and power over the unbelieving dead. By judgment, casts them into the lake of fire having a thousand years earlier cast the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire. And then from the presence of the holy angels and the saints of God, the elect of God, the unbelieved and wicked are completely and eternally separated from all that is holy and true about God and his people. What awesome power is demonstrated in this vision and how remarkable the Christ of God is seen in both his ability, his power to create. Well, first of all, to dissolve creation and then to judge both believing and unbelieving and then consign them to their eternal homes, both believing and unbelieving and to give out rewards as he sees fit and bring them to the place he has prepared for them, the New Jerusalem. And then the magnificence of the New Jerusalem is revealed and we are left in our imaginations to only imagine what the new earth must look like and the new universe must look like. But we would, will be there when the Christ of God then again, as he did at the beginning of all things in Genesis 1-1, when he again exercises his power to create. The Father has given all of this over to the Son and the Son exercises all authority and power. Now, after the thousand years and then... It, within the creation of the new heaven and new earth, 
Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says he delivers the kingdom up to the Father. So that it's as though they are together again in a sense that we haven't really understood yet. But we know in that sense they existed and have always coexisted in the Godhead. Now, all of the and the one who is the one whose very power provides light for his new creation. I mean, no, don't need a sun, don't need a moon. By implication, don't need the stars. Don't, and then told nobody's going to need a lamp. He provides the light. It comes from him. And this, is, this is unbelievable glory and energy that comes from the creator. So we are, you can imagine the early church reading this letter having this letter read, especially the seven letters as they were given to the seven churches. They knew Christ was powerful, of course. They knew that he had a glory that was peculiarly his and he demonstrated his power in healing the sick and raising the dead and defeating the grave and ascending into heaven and sending the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit being thus distributed into the lives of believers and, of course, his power to die on the cross and save us and then to be raised up and ascended into heaven and to serve as the high priest to keep us saved. All these things, they knew those things, but they could not really have fully appreciated the complete and awesome power and authority of the Christ of God. But we do now. Having gone through the revelation and all that we've seen, we have, we have been given an experience that only the church can fully appreciate and understand. So here is an appeal now to the believers. We're at the end of the Revelation, the last chapter in 22, and we start with verse 6. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. These would be the words of all of the book of the Revelation, everything that's there. Remember that John was told, whatever you see, you write it down. So he has this collection now and all of the words that he's written. And there's an affirmation from heaven. What you have written, faithful and true. This is where the world is headed. This is how the world is going to end. This is how the new creation is going to be. And this is the glory of the new Jerusalem. This demonstrates completely the profound and absolute power and glory of God and, of course, his Lamb. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, that's a beautiful statement to me. The spirits of the prophets, the prophets are still alive, though not yet resurrected. But the prophets gave to us what they could as they were inspired by God to keep reminding us, as old R.G. Lee used to preach, there's payday someday. 
Everything in life as you know it is going to come to an end. Every human being will be judged. You will either find your place in the lake of fire or you will find your place in the new Jerusalem at the end of all time and things and within the new creation. Everybody has an appointment. Everybody has a destiny, divinely appointed by the Almighty. The prophets had been preaching that and proclaiming it through the ages and generations. Their spirits are there in the presence of God and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets sent his angel to show his bondservants. Now that's the church. The ones who are receiving the revelation. We're going to see as the book comes to an end that this completes God's written word to humanity, to mankind. You can't add to this. This is the end of it. So he's showing his church the things that must come to pass in quickness. In other words, rapidly. And rapidly. When it begins to happen, it won't stop. It just will go and go and go the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Must come to pass. So we're the bond servants. The church is the bond servants. We have received this very important message that reveals the power of Christ and in the revealing of the power and authority of Christ reveals to us the end of all things as we know them and the new beginning of the new creation. So, the Lord sent his angel to show his bondservants, that's us, the things that must come to pass in quickness. Now, another voice. And behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is the one keeping or guarding the, uh, the Greek word means that you keep it for yourself. It's important and you're going to take great care that no one trifles with it, that it's not trifled with. And this has been a, this has been a charge, a responsibility to his bondservants, those who believe the word of God. Blessed is the one who keeps, guards the words of the prophecy of this book. So it's a book of prophecy and these prophecies are gathered up to be fulfilled at the very last day and will explode in fulfillment through a period of seven years and then carry us beyond the present time-space continuum into a new one. We're to guard it, the prophecy of this book. Okay, so we have this responsibility not only to observe it, to read it, to hold it dear, 
but to keep it. And what does that mean? Well, that means the prophecy. What, what did he just say? Behold, I'm coming quickly. Every generation of believers should have held in highest priority the truth that Christ is coming again. This is part of the overall ministry and work of the Christ of God. He created it. He guided his people through the ages within it. At the appropriate time, he redeemed his people on the cross. He has ascended to assure that we're kept and then guides the work of his church and the direction of history, especially by the presence and moving of his Holy Spirit. Then he comes again. This is as much of a priority to us, this message, as, as any other message that we can extract from the ministry of Christ. Christ is coming again. So we are charged with the responsibility of keeping it dear to ourselves and in the keeping of it to guard it. To strongly guard the words of the prophecy of this book. The Revelation is an unusual book. If you just read the whole word of God and then you come to the Revelation, you will say, you know, there is something different about this book. And I, John, am the one hearing and seeing these things. So the angel says, the words are faithful and true. Then John says to the church, I heard it and I saw it. The last of the living apostles. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel showing me these things. And he says to me, see that you not. I'm your fellow bondservant and with your brothers, the prophets and with those keeping or guarding the words of the book of this prophecy, worship God. So we are, we are first moved here to obedience to the things that are said. And there are not really that many commands. To be obedient to the book is just to say, you know what? Christ is coming again and he has everything in control and it's all going to be wrapped up by him. But then the next thing, we're moved to worship God. When we think of the great power of the Christ he has every detail of my existence worked out. He has guaranteed it himself. He has paid for it. He has sent forth his prophets and his apostles. They have recorded the precious holy word of God through the ages. And now it comes to an end and we are moved, the, the, the end of the canon of scripture. And we are moved to worship God. To worship God for his power. To worship God for the truth that he has me securely in his hand. And that he and his, listen, his word is at stake here. 
He's carrying me to the place that was guaranteed to me from before the foundation of the world. And my Lord has assumed the responsibility himself and will perform it. So I worship him. The world is falling apart around me, but my world is getting clearer every day. And he says to me, seal not the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. We are supposed to, now this is different from what Daniel was told. Daniel received the same information, but it came across in the way that it should have for a Jewish congregation. And, his, he, and he gives some points that are not given in John's revelation, but the revelation gives so much more than Daniel didn't give. He just wasn't provided that information. And some of what he had provided to him as a prophet, he was told to seal it up. But now John is told, turn it loose. Tell everybody, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. So this gift of the father to the son for his people gives us the whole story. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ carries this precious information in these vessels of clay. Now, through the years, people are going to believe it. They're not going to believe it. And, there's, and I, I hope that you've seen with me that this is not a difficult book to read or understand. This just moves right along and brings us to the end of all things and to the new beginning of all things. Don't fail to proclaim this book. How sad it is. I had a pastor once, not my dad, but another man. And I was interested in prophecy. Oh, no, we don't go there. It's too, too muddled and too. There's so much more wonderful things to proclaim in the Bible that uh, we don't want to be confused and all this kind of thing. You know, a lot of confusing, a lot of confusion about the way how people have, quote, interpreted, close quote, the book of the Revelation. It's, it calls itself a book of prophecy. But you know there are a whole lot of people in the church who think that it's already happened, that these, that these symbols and so forth had to do with, with the early church and the Roman Empire and all that kind of There is nothing to indicate that in this book of the Revelation. Nothing at all. Matter of fact, contrary-wise, it's the other way. We're not to seal the words of this book. Do you know that's in the imperative? We're told 
We have, a, we have a, an order here. Seal not the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. We're to proclaim it. We're to read it. We're to study it. We're to preach it. We're to teach it. We're to love it. I'll guarantee you, the next time you go through it, you'll see more that time than you did this time. It's a wonderful and beautiful trip to go through the book of the Revelation. Proclaim it. And here is what happens when this book is unloosed. The one being unrighteous, let him be unrighteous still. Now, I'm afraid that uh, the Greek word, ethi, right there, still, it's used several times, ethi. It's used as much or more in the interpretation of it to be the word more, M-O-R-E, instead of still. Now think about that. The one being unrighteous, let him be more unrighteous. You walk away from the truth of the wrath of God, the judgment of God. You withdraw from the truth of the impending judgment of your soul. That, that, creates, that creates a hard shell around a heart. And you're not going to be softened up when you're thrown into the lake of fire. I think what it says here is, you're unrighteous now. Reject the prophecy of this book. You'll be more unrighteous as you go along. He who is filthy, let him be filthier. He who is righteous, let him practice more righteousness. And he who is holy, let him be more holy. And that's what the Word of God does. It's sharp and, and it divides. It cuts asunder. It cuts, it's a two-edged sword. It, it cuts this way and it cuts that way. It cuts everything it touches. It cuts me. How does it cut me? I've read it. I've studied it. I've preached it. I've taught it. I've done my best to absorb it. And I can tell you something. Here's what the Word of God does for me. The more I read it, the more I realize how much in my life is unnecessary and I don't need it. And so I become, by the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit and the, and the truth of the Scripture, God causes me to enter into an even greater, higher obedience, leading to more righteousness. Holy, the word holy. The, the Greek word means to be separated, to be separate from everything else, separated from everything else. So he who is separated, knowing how the end is surely going to be, will be more separated. 
I hope that makes sense to you. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a two-edged sword. When it slashes this way, it exposes unbelievers and drives them further into their unbelief and confirms them in their unbelief. When it slashes this way, it reveals believers who become obedient to the gospel by the power and grace of God. So it slashes this way and it continues to have a stronger and stronger effect on the unrighteous. But as it swings back this way, it continues to have more and more of an effect on those who are righteous. That's the power of the word of God. So then we come to the last part of the appeal to the believer. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to each as is his work. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And may I say, some infinitely glorious day when we stand on the other side in the presence of the Lamb in the new Jerusalem, in the new earth. How much more can we understand that he is the first and the last? He is the beginning and he draws it all to an end. He is all in all. And that's how he finally delivers his kingdom up to the Father so that all may be in all. To use the way that the scriptures describe it. This brings us to an end of his appeal to the believers. So, you know, what do we, what do we get out of it? Well, heaven has affirmed the truth of the revelation. We're his bond servants. And now at the end of the ages, all of this has fallen upon the church to proclaim that our Lord is coming again and we have a great responsibility to keep and guard the book. Again confirmed by John Realizing that this thing draws us and drives us to worship. And not just to worship, but to proclamation of the book as well. And when we see that where it says the one being unrighteous, let him be unrighteous, and so forth. We know that whenever we preach the word of God... We have the assurance from heaven that in the course of time as designed by God, those who belong to God will come to God. I don't know who they are. God knows who they are. I'm commissioned to preach to all of us, everybody. 
I can't tell you, it, I've been fooled a lot of times in a room full of unbelievers where I was invited to proclaim the gospel and the ones that I thought were right to be saved were the ones who were hardened in their hearts by the message and the ones I thought who would never make it to heaven were broken by God and he saved them. So I don't know. I'm supposed to preach to everybody. That's what I do, and that's what we do as a church. We, we, we give missions and evangelism. We offer Christ to everybody, and we just trust God. And here's the truth. Every time you proclaim the Word of God, it never goes back ineffective. It always has an effect. Whether you believe it or not, it always has an effect. It will enrich. It will enrich the elect, and it will further drive away the reprobate. That's just what it does. That's what the Bible says. We always, we always know that God is up to something and that his word will always have an effect. We may, not be, we, may, we may not readily see the effect, but we know in our hearts that God's word is having an effect on people. And the last thing we understand that Christ is everything. He want, he's the one who starts it. He's the one who brings it to a close. He's the one who upholds it. He is the one who will give to me whatever reward. And we'll be with him forever. He will provide the energy and light for my life. And he will give me a reason for my eternal existence. And call me as his bondservant into service. In so many various ways, in such a higher order of existence that I cannot know now how it will be then. And so this is his appeal to the believers. We'll stop there. Let's pray. We'll be through tonight. Father God in heaven, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. And Lord, we are in awe of your word. So we pray that you'll give us the strength and direction to proclaim the truth of your word to all who will hear. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.